1: The <laughs>
2: Good day, folks. Welcome to the session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. We are back in the studio again and uh, excited. Uh, I'm always excited, but I get particularly excited when my friends come in the studio and uh, returning once again, not on Zoom, not on the phone, not in his steamy cool ship room. Um, Vinny Chalurzo from Russian Rivers back with me. Justin, how are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to see you. I heard we jacked up all your equipment on that
0: cool ship trip. Uh, I, I only mean, learned that from the last
2: podcast. Because I would never tell you. you. I would never say that to <laughs> you. But yeah, it could be a coincidence, but my mixer definitely fried after that. Sorry. it's was okay. Um, I <laughs> thought it might happen anyway. A very humid room. That um, Whose idea was that? Yours?
0: <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I feel like I twelve hundred dollars
2: <laughs> uh i did exaggerate <laughs> i got it fixed for 200 bucks actually so we're good okay <laughs> yeah it all, all, right. all worked out well yeah teresa Pasuti's back in the studio with us today too hi teresa
1: hi That's so happy to be here
2: good to see you it's it's with Vinny. good to see you again
1: yeah absolutely yeah,
2: we got, a, we got a good show planned for you tonight. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube, welcome. Or Facebook, you're there too. Um, if you're nearby, though, I would come down to the Hop Grenade tonight because after this show, Vinny has agreed to do a guided tasting in our tap room, which I'm such a slow learner sometimes. I've been doing this show out of here for eight years I've never had a guest go out and do a tasting after the show before. (laughs) So, In my defense, the shows used to be three and a half hours long. They did. So to ask a guest to do one more thing just never felt right. And now that they're short, I was like, you know, certainly for our most popular breweries here at the Hop Grenade, I was like, it's really a crime to have Vinny sit in this
0: fishbowl and then walk out the front door. <laughs> so you were kind enough to go. Yeah, heck yeah, let's do it. I think I did a guided tasting with you once, but I think it was at like your house or in the garage. That sounds right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. like
1: like for the listeners, like you're going through your beers. Uh, oh, no, I, th- I, I think
0: it was after we were done. We sat in your kitchen and oh. drank through yeah a bunch of beers, and it was kind of a guided yeah tasting. That was what, so once, fun. So once again, I benefit, and yeah. nobody else gets yeah. the you know uh, that was that was before you know this place existed. Right. This, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: When you had to sit in my uh, uh, steamy garage to yep. do shows. So really the Cool yep. Ship show was payback is what I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we're going to do a tasting after the show. And I know that will make some of you who are, are, are elsewhere jealous, but I just wanted to put that out there. If you're close by, you probably want to come by. You get to have a Pliny with Vinny. That's how I marketed it. Have a Pliny with Vinny. Like who gets to do that? That's right? huge. So.
1: Like, honestly, there's going to be a lot of people just like yeah. Yeah. listening.
2: Right. Plus, uh, Vinny let me have my favorite sour beer. Uh, We have beatification on tap, which that's a rare, Uh, rare event in itself. So I'd get down here tonight because I'll be drinking it for the rest of the, however long it lasts. That's that's why I
0: didn't. um, I didn't bring a bottle to taste. Because we have, yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Exactly. I think it's also why my staff didn't put
2: it on tap when it came in earlier, because I would have drank yeah. half of it by now. So, <laughs> when we're yeah. about
0: to make another blend as we get into the cold season, okay then we will empty a bunch of barrels, make some fresh synambic, the mm-hmm. base beer, mm-hmm. and then we'll use some of that to help uh, the charge next the next one for sugar and yeast and that sort of thing. So we are, we're getting close with this cooler weather. How many different... Shuns?
2: Do you have that are that are uh, wild fermentation beers?
0: Only only the beatification. Oh, but okay. we use a lot of synambic. Synambic's are playful term for lambic, but you, lambic's a protected term. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To all truth be told, it was Brian Hunt's idea. synambic. to use synambic, Okay, yeah, nice. So I still never paid him a royalty or <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah, Natalie's never written him a you right. know a, a trademark food right. check or whatever. But, anyways. There you go. I I give all credit to Brian Hunt. Did Brian
2: officially sell uh, Moonlight?
0: Uh, Only the half that Lagunitas owns, now Patrick Rue. Oh, is that who got it? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so Brian, I was actually on a a local radio station last week with Tyler from 3rd Street. Yeah. And then Brian, because we all won awards at at GABF. uh, Congratulations. Brian was right there. He Got the gold medal for his Saison. I thought that was the so first great. time he'd ever entered, but technically it was his third. And then he then he dropped like dropped the mic, said I judged at the third ever G A B F and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He um, promised me he
2: would come back on the show after the sale. Because I told him I wanted all the nitty-gritty. I wanted him to tell me everything. And he said, Well, I'll be happy to do that, but I can probably tell you more once the once that yep. piece sells so now that it's done i got to reach out to him and get yeah. it back on here but he
0: still has the half i yeah. believe
2: that's good yeah but he still yeah he couldn't trash talk Heineken or whatever when with the other half was still owned <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm paraphrasing those aren't his words you know
0: uh, so Anyway, um, uh, the, uh, uh, moonlight was probably a rounding error on yeah. Heineken's balance sheet, <laughs> right? Like that had to be a favor to Tony, right?
2: I don't know, it's something weird yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I'll get. The, I'm going to get the word from yeah. from Brian. <laughs> I, th- I Brian's been pretty forthcoming on this show, yeah. so. Uh, real quick, hey, thanks to our sponsor, More Beer. Uh, they sponsor this show and every show that we do and they always have and uh, just wonderful, wonderful people. I, I never get tired of saying it. You can go over to morebeer.com and check it out. Um, they, they ship all over the country from two different locations so uh, if, if they don't have what you need, nobody does. Go check them out at morebeer.com and uh, check out their YouTube page. They do free beer Friday, every Friday. Chris Graham, um, you know, gets a little tipsy and starts giving stuff away. Uh, same thing he does when he comes on the show but now he does it every Friday over on their YouTube page. So go check it out there and tell them that we sent you. Um, and then real quick, uh, this will only work for those of you listening live uh, or watching on YouTube. Uh, Hop Grenade's inaugural Pale Ale Festival is happening Saturday, November 5th. Uh, both of my guests today have entered beers into that. Um, it's a bit of a competition. And uh, and then, of course, it's the first Pale Ale Fest of its kind, especially certainly here at the Hop Grenade. Uh, my favorite style of beer... Um, Vic over at the bistro already owns the IPA Fest idea. He's a friend, so I can't go stealing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, let's do Pale Fest. Yeah. You know what I'm finding, uh, to be in all honesty, the brewers are so stoked. All yeah. of you brewers are. So- yeah. My customers could give a shit. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> I love to have a good reason to brew a new Pale Ale. Yeah, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, all
2: the brewers, and we got, I've never gotten such a fast. Answer to my invite, like even the brews festival, it's been going on for years. That takes a while for everyone to get back to me. People, everybody answered me within like a day about (laughs) Pale Fest. My customers, we sold like twenty tickets so far. So go buy tickets. (laughs) uh, It's unlimited pours of some of the absolute best uh, beers you will have. I mean, just think about it. If the brewers are that excited about it, you're all putting your best foot forward. Like no one's sending me shit.
0: We scheduled a row two Hill fifty six brew. Kind for work backwards to have an ultra nice fresh batch yeah I love that. that's our, our nice. all simcoe beer which we'll be in having our tasting later on tonight perfect
2: okay good yeah and I've I, a couple of brewers have told me that like if they didn't do a one-off they're like, yeah. well we're not just sending some random keg of our pail yeah. either it has to be fresh batch
0: but how many are gonna really make Ipas to try to like up the ante with the judges? <laughs> Yeah, I want some judges that are like, this is a pale ale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't, it gets
2: disqualified, right? Yeah, I've, You're not the first to comment on that. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you off air that I got a... <laughs> someone accidentally forwarded me an internal conversation from their brewery <laughs>
0: that said... That's good. Basically said, I bet an IPA wins. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, We. you need to, uh, like, I don't know, like... So it's like you make Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is the benchmark, the bench, yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. then like so that should be every judge should have a fresh bottle of I think you're pale right yeah. next to them, yeah, to so judge they can it. like compare yeah. them. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I once now, I once was judging the saison category at GABF and Carl Keen, who's a well known Belgian who comes over for judging a lot. Was on the panel, Lauren from New Belgium, and several other notables um, were on the panel. We got down to like the last four beers, five beers, and someone said, "Oh, we should like decide that okay, the benchmark because these are all American beers, so no foreign beers. Yeah, the benchmark of a great saison is Dupont. Yeah, 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 yeah." And I said, "Oh, I think this one should get the gold." And Carl kept championing this other beer, other beer, and and then finally, Carl's like. In so many words, because he's like the nicest guy in the world. He's like, you know, I was just there last week, so I know exactly like what a fresh. I'm like, okay, you win. <laughs> so your beer gets the gold, mine gets the silver. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It's the same thing. Like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is the yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, and, and Sierra has entered, but they're not entering their pale ale. So that, it's perfect. We could still yeah, use it as the benchmark really for, for, for judging. such a beautiful beer. Yeah. We, I know we're going to catch flack no matter what, however the, the, the judging and the award goes, but whatever. We're excited about it. Um, so you can go to, um, go to thehopgrenade.com, and then you can click on the link on events and uh, get your tickets to Pale Ale Festival. Uh, all right. Thank you to all of our supporters who have been donating over the years. You can do that by clicking the Donate button on our homepage. It helps. Uh, if you don't want to do that, no problem. Uh, you can do your Amazon shopping. I know you all shop on Amazon. They control us in somewhere in our mind. Uh, so you can do that by clicking the Amazon link on our homepage and then just go on about your business. I'm not spying on your purchases or anything. Um, and then also just support our sponsors. That's a great way uh, for you to keep this program alive and well like you've done uh, all these years. So thanks for, for all of that. All right. Uh, should we just dive into this beer? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we uh, we had to start drinking before we yeah. went on air. Agreed. Um, so these are this is two beers uh, in the glasses in front of us here in the studio. They're both Saison's, mm-hmm. and the one on the left is called Robert. Okay. it's just an old school classic. Um, Yvonne debates from De La Sen would say modern Saison. Okay, it doesn't have any acidity. Doesn't have any Brett. Um, the yeast is uh, diastaticus, so it will ferment through almost all the sugars, okay. making it super dry. Uh, and then the one on the right is Yonami. It's the exact same beer, but finished with Britannomyces. Oh, right. Mm. And then the cool thing, and Teresa, you can see if you put the Robert label on the on the left side, uh-huh. and then the Yonami right next to it on the right. Separately, they make uh, yeah. you know their own labels, but together. Ah. They make a, a whole scene of like old Antwerp. Yeah, hold that and up to your camera. It's a pretty, uh, pretty cool little design here. that we that we made. But I love Saison. It's, it's one of my favorite styles. It's such a good food-friendly style. Um, they're really hard to make, uh, make well. Um, they're, they're ultra, ultra dry, so you have to be really careful to not get too astringent. Mm. Um, we only ferment uh, our Saison in... Open top fermenters at the Windsor Brewery to help so with we, that. Yeah, we, we think that it makes for a cleaner beer, but also there's there's a you know, well known saison yeast which is kind of a mix into our yeast that really doesn't want to ferment if it's not in a open top. Interesting. So the the Dupont strain is known to just stall out, but if you ferment the Dupont strain in an open top, um, it it just it goes, goes right through. Yeah, we we use um, a saison strain from uh, Omega. That's a blend of a couple different yeasts and uh, the, the Dupont strain, and I think maybe French saison. I can't remember what's in the blend. Okay, but um, but it, it makes for just like an ultra ultra dry beer. Um, we really go for a big minerality, so we do a lot of water chemistry on the beer on the Robert. Mm. But then when you drink the Yannami again, same beer, same recipe. Just yeah. finished with bread. It's a totally different, completely beer, different, totally different beer experience.
2: Yeah, so you wouldn't you wouldn't know it's the same beer. Uh, everything else. Yeah. What makes it the? You said um, a modern saison. What do you think is, is the distinction?
0: Oh, I I think it's that if you look classically at old world saisons, they did have bacteria and Brett in them. Okay, and I and so more e- like the genomy. So um, yeah, or maybe even like how a lot of breweries are making mixed culture saisons that have a little kiss of acidity mm-hmm. to them. And 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 we were in Natalie and I were in Belgium earlier this year, and it was we poured at an event at Cantillon, and. Um, we, I think we were pouring you hmm. and then, but I had bottles of Robert and back for friends, and I poured it for Yvonne. And yeah, Yvonne says, oh, "Yeah, yeah." But I, I said, "Oh, it's a classic saison." And he goes, "It's a classic modern saison." Still a classic. <laughs> said, modern, okay, yeah, <laughs> all right, Yvonne. <laughs> Tough cookie. Because he's though. a historian of, okay. of beer, and uh, but um, but I but I love how dry it is. Mm. I love there is no residual sugar. Um, I uh, I don't know what was it a couple months ago? You had Chris White on, yeah, and he was talking about. You know, being diabetic and sugar, and and I think I texted you. You did, and yeah. I was like, yeah, our saisons don't have any residual sugar, right, in them. So, yeah, because th- I, I
2: think you heard me too. Like, I sort of, as I'm getting older, I'm kind of watching my way. intake yeah. and uh, at calorie intake too, right? Yeah. It, and you were like, hey, dude, when I do, I switch to
0: saison. Yeah. So yeah, these and that's what I love about this yeast is that it ferments through everything. Like, if there's, um, we bottle condition both of these beers. Obviously, the Roberta doesn't get the Brett, mm. but if there's, let's say, half a degree Play-Doh left at, of sugar at the end of primary fermentation, mm-hmm. and then we condition the tank for a while, cold, run it through the centrifuge to remove the yeast, and then when we're calculating the bottle condition yeast, that half of Play-Doh sugar, we will count that towards. Oh right. Oh yeah. What is going to be needed to Carbonate the beer. Interesting. Otherwise, if you don't count that, it will ferment too, and then you'll have overcarbonated beer. Wow! It's so. the same yeast used to bottle condition. Or no, th- it's different. It's okay. not. But even even with the centrifuge, there's some of this. There's uh, just a little bit uh, left. There's a little bit left, and it yeah, will eventually eat through everything. So wow, we are ultra. We we've, we've learned uh, with this yeast, but I, I I do love how dry it is. Yeah, yeah. And and we love we love what what you can do with an open top, with a beer like this. Um, you can really. Gain a lot more ester profile because mm-hmm. of the surface area and being open to the air. And uh, so, so all other. of
2: the Saison DuPont would be in open,
0: you know, they used to be. Okay. they were in squares. We were that's the one brewery we met. Well, we missed three breweries in Belgium because we got COVID there. Oh, so, yeah. I, you know that. <laughs> yeah, told, we've talked about it. Um, we were literally leaving, um, Florinville, that's where near where Orval is, mm-hmm. and um. And woke up. I don't feel good. Took a test. Yeah, shit. Oh, COVID. Gosh. Anyways, yeah. we were supposed to go to DuPont, like drive right there. So we didn't go. But I, I think I've heard that they're no longer okay doing open tops. But, um,
2: but and, then they would have had to figure out how to get that yeast to do the same thing. Yeah, based on your experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Okay. But it's but there's there's so much to be gained from open top fermentation. I mean, it's a lot. It's that's a ton of more work and mm. more potential contamination. But you're able to skim the yeast or skim the the, the hot particulates and any dead yeast cells and any trube that gets through because you know the convection of the fermentation will carry it into mm. the foam, okay? Which you can't do that in a closed top, and you can see it yeah. as well. Like, I was just skimming some, uh, some. Schmegma off the top of one of our, we have a little five barrel open top fermenter. Oh, you our, do? In our nice. pilot brewery. Oh, nice. wow. And, and I have a batch of, uh, of Pilsner lager going in there right now. And I was just skimming it this morning and there's a distinct different color yeah. of all of the hop particulates that made it through and the tube and wow. whatever else. And, and it just makes for a cleaner beer. And so even on our big tanks, we have this big giant skimmer yeah. It's got a you know, like a six foot, seven foot handle on it, and you reach out and you skim and you've got that top. little
2: like sled off the side too. Yeah, right? then we have the, Shoot.
0: the yeah, and that's another way to do it is you can if you're not going to reuse the yeast, you can use the skimmer to just push oh, okay. the, the yeast um, or that schmegma yeah. to the slide and then it goes down and you just get it out of the beer. Cause eventually that that darker foam that's got the the dead yeast and hops and whatever else true will eventually get back in the beer Yeah, and you'll end up with a little harsher flavor. Of course you make great beer without open top fermenters. Cause you leave that.
2: Yeah. But when you yeah. Do, yeah.
0: But it's just a difference between small detail. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But are all your beers now produced in open tops? No, not all of them. Okay. Um, but all of certain beers, both are two loggers, velvet glow and STS, which I think we're going to taste next. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a hundred percent open top. Okay. Um, Pliny, probably ten or fifteen percent of what I mean. There's almost never a batch that's a hundred percent. Okay. Open top. Every once in a while, there is for fun, but okay. there's always a. There's often a percentage of a batch of Pliny at the Windsor Brewery that goes through open top too. Got it. So, is that because you just have to make too much of it? To um, yeah. And we also love the yeast profile. Okay. Um, you get healthier yeast. Um, you know, because the idea of an open top fermenter is that they're a one to one ratio. And so, I already talked about skimming yeast, um, but you also, because there's no lid on the tank, you end up with a um, much healthier fermentation. The yeast is just happier. Right. Um, You actually, you know, in, in normal fermentation, you get a, you should get a good pH drop. We see a much more steep pH drop in an open top fermenter because the yeast is less stressed. Okay. It's oh, in a less stressful environment. Right. And um, and so we will try to we we try to run anything through the open top if we can. Yeah. And uh, but that's can,
2: what I meant, like volume wise, you just don't have enough open top to do no, all yeah. of your okay. okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Now can you repitch from Pliny? From the open top fermenter?
0: We could. Yeah, we just uh, installed a new little yeast propagator that's going to allow us to skim the yeast off the top of an open top. Oh, cool. Take it to the little one hectoliter propagator and then go from there to our bigger propagator and be able to do like true top cropping. Um, but it's true what they say that lager yeast is bottom fermenting and ale yeast is top fermenting. Mm. When you uh, skim the foam off the top of velvet or STS. yeah. There's not a lot of yeast in there. Oh right, yeah. It's just junk. It's it's just yeah. or it's just foam. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. And it, but it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I have, I think I have like 300 pictures on my phone on just all open top. Nice. <laughs> and and any any brewery I go to that has open tops, we were in Denver yeah. at uh, this newer brewery called Cohesion that's making when we were at GABF that's making all Czech oh, okay. uh, loggers. and and he primary ferments everything in open tops. He didn't yes. have anything in, in tanks and I'm taking pictures of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We, took, we took our crew to Anchor last week as sort of a team building day and I've been to Anchor like a million times. Yeah. I'm still taking pictures of the <laughs> Yeah, they're still so cool.
2: <laughs> and I'm glad that you said that about the top fermenting and bottom fermenting because I remember when I was home brewing in glass carboys, it just—it all looked the same to me every time. It was—it yeah. ju- was still just moving around yeah. it
0: so much. So I—I I think maybe just because of it's a smaller volume. Yeah. Um, but think of a carboy. It's, you know, it's probably a one to two ratio. Hmm. So you know, yeah, it's yeah. whatever wide by, you know, probably twice as tall, maybe one and a half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you get to big giant tanks at super large breweries, or you know, those are like missiles. Those outdoor tanks, those are probably right. like. Uh, one-to-six or one-to-eight ratio, but the uh, a well-designed open-top fermenter is a one-to-one okay. ratio. It's as wide as it is tall. Yeah, And the yeast just absolutely loves it. You also um, blow off more of the fermentation, you know, like byproducts of hmm. fermentation, because if you think about it, a tall skinny tank, the CO2 has a much farther distance to travel to scrub out those phenols and whatever you know negative flavors that fermentation creates yeah and in a wide squatty short tank doesn't have the CO2 doesn't have to travel as far and then yeah there's no lid on it so it can just escape right cuz we even we even think about the bucket of water on a closed top fermenter you want to have the most minimum amount of water mm. in oh, that wow. bucket yeah. Because, because it's still pressure. Because that's it's still pressure, pressure. Yeah. So two points. So twenty-eight inches of water. Uh, let's say from the bottom of your blow-off hose or tube. Let's say you have twenty-eight inches. That's one psi right there.
2: I see. Roughly.
0: Wow. And so we like. But when you, if you think about it, you go to breweries and you look back like a brew pub. That's you know the bucket's full completely, oh, yeah. or maybe it's full of yeast and schmutz and whatever that blew out the top. Yeah. And all that pressure is there, you know, it's a 32-gallon trash can or something. Never would have thought about so, that. Because yeah. you just
2: feel like, hey, sanitation is what's key here. So, Fill it up and walk away. Yeah. Right.
0: So we're even looking at that on our closed tanks. Okay. But that's but that's one of the differences between open tops and closed top, too, is that in an open top, there's no lids. So, yes, there's there's zero pressure that's even pushing down on that, that, that beer. Whereas in a closed tank, even if you have it, you know, to a blow-off bucket, like all of us would, yeah. you still... Have some pressure with all that beer. That sure. Stacked well, and the up bigger the top, tank, the more pressure. The more
1: pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We even recognize that in our little brewery. Like some of the beers will behave differently if they're in a fifteen barrel versus a forty-five. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I remember um, when we were making Brux, our collaboration with Sierra Nevada, more than a decade ago, and um, they were starting to do some work in R and D on some brand, but because they were gonna they knew we we're gonna take this brand big hmm. but the shorter tanks in the pilot brewery they would ferment under pressure to oh. mimic the pressure they were gonna see on those eight hundred uh, barrel fermenters I see out yeah. that you see in front. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. They were they were using it just the opposite. Right. Yeah. But to do everything they can to match So it's the same that yeah. that, that flavor profile. Oh that's interesting. So, yeah. So anyways hope I could talk forever about open tops and hey. I love them and we just put in this little, small, mini five barrel one on our. I got to see room. that. That's it's, funny. Yeah, that looks it, like a. It's cute. Did you have it built like by fun. the same people who built your big one? Absolutely. Ones yeah, yeah. yeah so Natalie, is, is
2: it just a mini version of it? It is. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's got awesome.
0: the cap ring and everything. Oh, and, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> Natalie's like, "Do we really need this?" <laughs> like, no. It's it's a it's a want to have, not need to have. Yeah. But and and she's <laughs> like, "That's yeah, pretty freaking cool." Yeah. We're we're waiting. I think it's going to show up in a couple weeks. Finally. But one of those chef's demo mirrors. Yeah. So we're going to put that up. So when you're in the restaurant, you're going to be able to look oh, up. cool. And then see, because we can only make it sh- so short. Yeah. And it's still maybe like five and a half feet tall. So you got to get on your tippy toes. Yeah. Oh, to that's a great him, idea. It'll though. be fun. I feel like you guys should make keychains of your
2: <laughs> a little, a little Russian River. I would buy that keychain. <laughs> oh, I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, There's everybody would be like, why do you have a little like portable fire pit keychain? <laughs> yeah, keych-
0: yeah, brewers that's, would that's know. That's no yes. fire pit. Yeah, uh, that's, that is that mm-hmm. is that is the magic vessel.
2: Yeah. All right, well, let, let's do this. I'm going to get us to uh, a quick break here. And um, when we come back, uh, I want to talk just briefly anyway about bottles in cans. Perfect. Because...
0: You're new to Cans. I know and I brought cans of STS to drink, so oh, it's great. A, like you didn't we didn't even you yeah. didn't even <laughs> set me up or I didn't set you up. That just already was done random. It. Yeah, it's Perfect. Where it was in the gift shop.
2: <laughs> All right, so quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about cans and bottles with Vinny at Russian River. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the session. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're still here with Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River Brewing Company. You can go to russianriverbrewing.com. I went to I went to hi- to uh, abbreviate that cuz I thought I was like oh he must have rrbc.com I hit the button and it's some jerk. It says this this URL is for sale for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> of
0: course and I, it is. And I know, and I was like, oh, I'm sure that that got you can, you can goat shorten for everything today. to RR Beer. That was the best we could do. It's the best you do okay, yeah. rrbeer.com. Yeah. There we go. Or, and yeah. all of our emails shorten that way too. Nice. Everyone nice. has two emails at Russian River Brewery. You get the long drawn out one. They're <laughs> just RR. And Beer. then the RR Beer, which is yeah. a lot easier if you're on the phone than yeah. you know RR Beer. <laughs>
2: All right, well, I teased before the break that I (laughs) wanted to talk about cans versus uh, bottles with you. And this is a bit of a follow-up from our show that we did in the Cool Ship Room because we were talking about the difference between uh, DO and and TPO. You were educating me on that. Um, I've since found, uh, that was even a couple years ago, brewers are are much more knowledgeable about that now. The more I talk about it to, to brewers, the more they're like, oh, yeah, no, we know about that stuff. But back then, you weren't canning at all. No, and 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 just to, to remind our listeners, you know, w- one of those reasons, and there are there are several. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, Vinny stands out on a shelf of beers with his bottle. So you know, mm-hmm. marketing is something and, and tradition. But the other thing we talked about was that you you just felt you'd never really get the oxygen levels low enough, yeah. that, like you like them, like you're comfortable with with cans, right? Um,
0: but at some point. Probably during the pandemic, you thought about cans. Yeah, and I know we're going to eventually get to the pandemic because we talked about it, texted about it briefly yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yes, we did start canning at the front end of the... Maybe, was it before? I think we started before, but cans really helped us tremendously. Okay. We we weren't going to go out of business. Yeah. Um, Whole Foods in particular was very very good to us okay and they just we hit the sweet spot with 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 independent markets like whole foods whole foods being our biggest okay you know off-premise chain um but you know at the same time during the pandemic we were able to send kegs of beer to places like hop grenade mm-hmm. and tornado and all tons of accounts that were able to do growlers and crowlers and and that helped too yeah so yeah. but um and you bought a canning line Yeah, and that's an interesting quick story is that, you know, we were using a local mobile canner, (laughs) and at the same time, randomly, Sierra Nevada had bought a little inline canner, same type that mobile canners use. Okay. And, you know, Natalie and I are pretty close friends with the Grossmans, and Ken and I start talking about the the inconsistency of an of an inline canner. Okay. You know, you have four you have four to six heads filling, but then they take a certain amount of time, so they may get filled at the same time, but then they don't get seamed at the same time. And so they have varying degrees of oxygen contact with that lid, you know, not being seamed on. Okay. So Ken and I decided to go down this cuz Sierra was looking to Buy a small canner to do really good TPO, low TPO numbers for their pilot brewery. Mm-hmm. We were looking for one just to do small amounts of our beer because if you take draft off the table for us, on um, you know whether it's at our pubs or for distribution, just looking at bottles and cans, I think bottles are still like ninety eight percent. Ah, so there's uh, bottles are still yeah the majority of what we do. Oh,
1: okay. you're still bottling ninety eight percent percent of your
0: of our package yeah it's not going to keg yeah oh wow yeah we only do cans right now still for uh direct to consumer or at our two gift shops small one-off stuff where where it has also come in handy for us is that we have you know this bottling line that does 10,000 bottles an hour it's pretty tough to bottle 10 barrels Okay. But, yeah. 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 Um, that's crazy. And yeah. so the all of our small batches. So we transfer beer from the Santa Rosa Brewery to the Windsor facility, and then that's a lot of the stuff that we can. I see. Um, so like we recently canned Hopfather, or we'll do Citra Flash Mob IPA, or Mosaic Stack, or whatever small batch stuff. But mm. but so so we were looking for an actual canning line. Sierra was looking for one that was for their pilot brewery. So Ken and I would like get. One line, and then we'd send it. You know, the company would, whoever the broker manufacturers would send it to the other one. Okay, and we would test it. Oh,
1: you're doing like demo we, we canning. Were, line. Yeah,
0: we were. We demoed canning lines. Nice. We demoed two different canning lines. Plus, we had run the inline canners, and then we finally settled on something completely different: a, a CFT ten uh, two, so a ten fill head and a two head seamer. And what we learned was that. The inconsistency of the TPO in a can is less about that timing of the fill head to the seamer. That's a part of it, but Mm. it's not everything it's that that can is moving and it hits the other can in front of it and it jostles and sometimes it foams less and sometimes it foams more. So the absolute best canning lines always have at least two seamers because then the cans never stop moving. They never have to get into a line and wait. Hmm. And, and we have a, a TPO tester that you can shut off the CO2. So we were running a TPO test every five minutes. By the way, just for consumers listening, total, total package oxygen. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you've got dissolved oxygen, which is oxygen in the beer, in the fermenter or the bright tank. You have shaken dissolved oxygen or shaken DO. That's when you shake the canner bottle for five minutes, uh, pierce it with your same dissolved oxygen meter that you'd use the tank, and that will tell you the dissolved oxygen in the beer mm-hmm. but that's not going to tell you the head space because when you shake a can or bottle for the traditional like five minutes is would be the standard procedure mm-hmm. you're equalizing this the pressure but you're not equalizing the actual oxygen content okay there's still going to be more oxygen in the headspace. And then that's where TPO comes in. Total pack is oxygen. Okay. And so total pack oxygen is you either put in a machine, and they're crazy expensive. Okay. Like Seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Um, we have the Anton Parr TPO five thousand. We were the first uh, craft brewer to have it. Okay. They they had up they'd switch models and it sounds we had to like we had the to like TPO 5000 I know it sounds like a robot yeah. <laughs> it's got this yeah. red flashing light on the top it's really cool yeah. <laughs> um, but you put a bottle in and eight minutes later it'll tell you the dissolved oxygen in the beer the total package oxygen which is everything combined and the CO2 content okay now you can also um, take your shaken DO number and then plug it into a spreadsheet calculator and I think um, I think the Pentair uh, Gehaltometer Has a little program In it That can help you Calculate this But you also need To know your Temperature Mm -hmm. So you need Your dissolved oxygen After you've shaken it You need your Temperature You need your Headspace volume And then you need Your beer volume Wow But you technically Need to Measure that Every time Yeah The headspace because every every can's going to be slightly or bottle's going to be slightly different. Sure. Yeah. So that's where the automated machine just does it automatic okay. every time. So we so we ran down we went down this this rabbit hole of finding the best machine with Sierra Nevada ended up with the CFT and ultimately that's why I've learned like it's and and it's the way that the the CO2 is jetting out under the lid. And then, but it's it's at the angle at which it's doing that, and the pressure in which it's doing that. And when you look at the channels that the CO two is coming out of, they're not all equal, the same size. And okay. They're kind of working against each other. And if you do it too fast, you end up with a venturi effect. So it's just sucking oxygen. You know, as the CO two is passing through, it's bringing oxygen right behind it. You're doing actually more damage. Interesting. So learned learned a lot about the process going down the rabbit hole of can lines. But we yeah. do have one. So our so
2: before we get into like where you're at, and maybe you can do this. It would give me a number for bottles and cans. Like, what's like the industry standard TPO, which I know is different than your number. I, I think that you like.
0: I think for most breweries, they would be happy at eighty to a hundred TPO. Okay, it'd be pretty high. Okay, for, for what we would. Consider. And what are you happy with? Is the with?
1: TPO always higher than the DO? Uh,
0: actually, it depends because d- like DO is still a really important number dissolved d- dissolved oxygen. Because if you, when I look at uh, the CO two, the total packaged oxygen, and the dissolved oxygen, if the dissolved oxygen is high, it means that we have a problem at the filler. Mm, um, right right. And so because if, you knew
1: what it was at the tank. Yep. And then if and, it at the filler and it's, it's really indicative high of, of the
0: filler. Typically it's like some loose valve or something. Right. But if your TPO, if your DO is high, your dissolved oxygen is high, but then your total pack if, excuse me, if your dissolved oxygen is low, but your total package oxygen is high, it's probably at your fober or your under gas gaser, if you're, or you're doing not capping on foam, foam or yeah. and that's and that's, has that's what makes problem. it so difficult with cans. Is that cans you you can't seam on foam for the most part. You really need to rely on on the CO2 jetting uh, out or under gas, hmm. and and then even so, if you are foaming up either in a bottle or a can. You want the ba- bubbles to be as fine and small as possible. The mm. larger fisheye bubbles, as they call them, are full of oxygen. You need to get those things out. And if you think about most bottles, they're tapered. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to push the foam out and they're going to be, uh, it's, it's going to f- push more oxygen out. And thus, bottles, all things equal, will always have a lower okay. TPO, which and is why. Less yeah, which yeah. is why I've, I've always believed in bottles. Yeah. Granted, I, I do see cans. They're convenient. Mm-hmm. You take them to the beach, blah, blah, blah. Um, once you seam a can, it is completely sealed. Okay. Albeit if you're using an inline canner that has really bad TPO, no. you're now trapping all that oxygen in there as well. But right. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to happen no matter so- what if you have a bad filling situation. So what's your number for bottles that you so like? So bottles we're we're trying to be 20 to 25 parts per billion TPO. Right now cans were 40 to 50 is where we want to be. Okay. And we're, you know, the the thing about the problem we were having with inline canners is that we were having these random cans of like 250 or 300 and that's just the ones that our lab was catching. Oh yeah. And then, I mean, then the next one would be at like 60 or 70. You know, and then every once in a while we'd get a thirty or forty. I would rather be consistently bad or consistently good so that it's but these yeah. random cans were huh. kept me up at night. And uh, that's that's ultimately why we did the sharing okay. with, with Sierra with Ken, because we knew that the two of us together our our teams were already Friends. Yeah. Our packaging manager used to work at Sierra. So there was already this relationship there. To get it right. And we, we just shared everything, and then we finally made a decision together. So,
2: okay, let me ask you this, and I've probably asked you this before. Um, because you encourage, at least with hoppy beers, right, with Pliny, you encourage everybody to drink it right away anyway, fresh. Yep. So who cares between 25 and 80? <laughs> right? That, that's, you see what i cause, cause the whole point is shelf stability, right? Is yeah. that the point of getting rid of oxygen? It's it,
0: yeah, it's, it's a part of shelf stability. Um, for, for me personally, I say that low TPO is our religion. Okay. You know, that's like the, the backbone of, of what we do. And if I was to say to our brewing team, well, you know, what's the difference <laughs> between 25 and 30? Um, you know, then it's like, well, what's the difference if I yeah. flush the line enough? Or, you know what I'm I do. You know, yeah, I do. Well, it l- sets let, a me refer- let me ask it a little different, too. Drinking
2: Pliny a week out, will I, as a consumer, taste a difference between, uh, if I was a very savvy consumer, <laughs> uh, between 25 and 80? Or are we always talking like, ah, eh, this is more like a month out? It was kept cold. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. A week out, maybe a hair. You'd yeah. have to really. I mean, we drink a lot of Pliny at the brewery. Yeah, maybe we would. Maybe probably not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the the deterioration of a beer can or bottle goes down much more quickly uh, after. W- yeah, yeah, you know, with with a high TPO and uh, not kept cold. Sure, through the entire. You know, chain of of distribution. Sure, and of course, I'm not
2: advocating that you should not care. (laughs) I just I'm asking because it's a very expensive endeavor that you've Mm -hmm. embarked on. Like making that the brewery's religion is an expensive decision too, right?
0: Yeah, and we use we use a lot of derated water to flush our lines. So instead of flushing with um, like if I if, if if a a young you know to be brewer comes to me and says, give me a piece of advice. I was like, okay, well, what category? Business, whatever. Okay, let's <laughs> yeah. assume you have yeah. Yeah. great ingredients, sanitation. I would, if I had to look back and, you know, things that I would have purchased sooner, mm-hmm. I would have purchased a dissolved oxygen meter. Mm-hmm. I would have um, bought an extra tank to be able to make batches of deorated water. Mm-hmm. And then you can use de water to flush your lines instead of pushing it with CO2. So we have a whole... System that um, makes deaerated water. Wow! So the water goes down this pretty small column, and then CO two bubbles up, and it's packed with CO- with uh, stainless steel. And then the free oxygen gets out, and then that water goes through a heat exchanger, goes to a tank, and then we have a loop through the whole production brewery. Wow! That that's deaerated water. Okay. And and we'll use that to flush lines because it'll you can pack the line completely. And and that oh, yeah. that deaerated water also goes through a UV lamp. And so the UV lamp keeps the the water sterile.
1: Wow! So you're not using it just to like not waste beer. You're actually like displacing mm-hmm. all the Oc- air or yeah. Oxygen. like CO two, yeah. whatever. You're not yeah. trying to you're not trying to purge a line with CO two.
0: We don't even purge them with CO two. We just. After yeah. after we Sanitizing. run par- parasitic acid. Yeah. Because if a, l- a little bit of parasitic acid gets into your beer, you're gonna oxidize oh the entire yeah. tank. Hmm. And so you end up dumping a bunch of beer down the drain just right. to make sure. Uh. And then but if a little bit of deirated water gets into your hmm. into your uh beer, it's t- it's sanitized. We call those Jesus units. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Even so, better. <laughs> so let me
1: ask you Actually, for my own edification here, so I have a bright tank I don't often use. Yeah, how would I deaerate my water with no specialized equipment?
0: Yeah, you would just um, take hot liquor water mm-hmm. and pump it into, the, and it doesn't even have to be full. Yeah, um, you could do whatever volume. Yeah, and then bubble CO two through the hot water. Okay, and then the water already hot is going to have it's removed some of the oxygen. It's going to push out most of the oxygen, and then you anyway. bubble more oxygen through it. And then Um, cool it down. Some would say do it through a carb stone. I think you do it through the bottom either way. And then you end up with water and then it'll cool. You cool it down. And then you end up with water that's just slightly carbonated. Mm -hmm. It tastes really good. It's like having sparkling water available all the time at your brewery. Yeah. Yeah. But it is is really good to have to flush lines and whatnot. I love that. um, Okay. So... All right. Um, I want to talk
2: S T S too. But as a summary of this and the and the expenditure on it, I, I think I think I've said this before too. It's one of my favorite short conversations I've had about you, because we were talking about this TPO that day. And um and I think I said, Yeah, you know, sometimes brewers say to me like, Well, why would I spend money on a lab or more money on this? Like, I sell every drop of beer that I make. And your response was priceless. I hope it doesn't embarrass you. Your response was like I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what the answer was. This is the way I heard it. We're Russian fucking river. You think we don't sell every drop of beer that we make before we make it? And we still spend a fortune on R&D and labs. And you do. And that's what I was getting at with you. Like, why? You're like, because... It because it matters because it's beer yeah. and it should be the best it can be, yeah. And I just love that answer because I can't, and I haven't maybe I've said it too much because I haven't had a brewer <laughs> say it to me since, but I can't wait till one does. And I'll be like, bro, you still got to get better. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: uh, it's everything, you yeah, know, yeah, quality
0: yeah. is everything you do, and, and it's your reputation, yeah, as well. And uh, and that's what I, I loved listening to the last episode with Josh and Chrissy because. Mm he was just like so excited to talk about yeah about shaking and he said shaking dio and i was like i was listening to it driving down today and nice yeah. i was like oh you got it he yeah. knows it like because it because it is the most misunderstood uh. part of craft brewing of, of especially with breweries that especially in the pandemic that have now started canning and they you know are like oh yeah i'm getting these great you know TPOs. I'm like, well, how do you do it? And Explain yeah, it's shaking deal. Right. Well, that's shaking deal, not TPO. That's the same thing. No, that's not right. But right. but the cool thing is, is that you know you can. We ran tests where you can um, do. We we compared like doing it the manual method, where you calculate it and all that, compared to our TPO machine. It's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have this eighty thousand dollar instrument. Okay. It's nice to have. Yeah, um, and it makes it really easy and like I remember when uh, Cooperidge local brewery up in Sonoma and Santa Rosa yep. was commissioning their canning line they would drive over cans and so we we tested that if we pulled bottles off the bottling line because we knew it was 20 minutes yeah. to drive to get the cans to us so we did a test with our own beer pulled the bottles off our own line waited 20 minutes and then ran them and then we'd also run them at the right when we pulled them off when we said okay well there's a Cause you'll if your beer is is really um, active, it'll just start taking up the air right away. Okay, and yeah. so uh, so we okay. Well, we know we get uh, ten part per billion pickup, whatever it is, and we would just add that to the numbers that when uh, when Tyler would bring. Cooperage yeah. from Cooperage. Yeah. Okay, so.
2: to really get down to but, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. so,
1: how long would it be if it's like an hour and a half? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just How far? It's a lot of That's how far it uh, is, yeah. is to Russian <laughs> yeah. River from Crooked Lane. But <laughs> all right.
2: we got a couple beers in our glass. One of them, uh, one of my favorite beers on the planet, uh, STS Pills, uh, which is uh,
0: unfiltered pilsner. Yeah, it's a Keller style mm. pilsner. Okay, um, using all Wireman pilsner malt. A little bit of acidulated malt from Wireman. And then we use, um, the main hop is a French hop called Aramis. Mm. Mm. And Aramis uh, was actually originally bred for Anheuser-Busch. And then when uh, InBev bought AB and they became ABI, they decided not to use the hop. And our, our good friend, Dr. Val Peacock, who was the hop guy from uh, Anheuser-Busch, he took the early retirement when, uh, nice. when AB uh, sold. Um, his friends, uh, the French hop growers, were like, well, Val... You you helped us breed this. You told us to grow it. <laughs> what now? Now you got to help us sell it. And so <laughs> yeah. he went around and and Val talked me into using it. And that was uh, I think 2013 or something when we started making STS. Okay. So now it's like our number three selling beer is it really three or four yeah, yeah oh wow it's one of our top selling beers and uh and you do this we, all in open fermenters yeah too? it's 100 percent open top and here with a lager you get you just you really get the delicate nuances the difference between you know good and great yeah and, you know, of course mm. you can make really nice lager in closed tanks but just the ability to skim and and we're still doing all kinds of work you know on this beer we do we do kind of push this through a little bit faster than we'd like to but it's also, you know, I purposefully made this a Keller style, mm-hmm. knowing that on a five-week beer, um, we would it would then go into the bottle or now can or keg with some yeast, so it kind of continues to lager. Oh, right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so
0: Keller Keller styles are great if you're a brewery that maybe doesn't quite have the tank space. We also make. And if
2: someone, if a home brewer out there wants to brew STS, there's going to be some sediment at the bottom of the bottle
0: that could be yeah. And those are that's yep. all our Augustiner yeast, okay, which yep. we get from BSI, and um, that's not that's a lot harder to get for home brewers. Okay, but yeah, there's some in there. I mean, even the be up there, what yeah. we're looking, what we're drinking is um, yeah, is, is got a little bit of a haze to it. Mm-hmm. And um, we lager Velvet Glow our Hellas longer. Okay, we're st- we're working towards eventually maybe. You know, getting some something going where we can lager even longer okay. for that beer. That beer really makes a difference. Okay, but the STS um, it does get better at like eight weeks, but um, but doing doing a Keller style beer. helps. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's still like it screams Russian River and then it's hoppy, mm-hmm. but it still has like classic notes of yeah. of a lager, of a pilsner. I think so. And yeah, it, and we dry hop it just a little bit, like quarter pound per barrel, but we dry hop it cold at. 42 Fahrenheit. So it's not like an IPA dry. When you guys aren't,
1: you aren't doing lager tanks for this. It's a.
0: No, I would love to have some horizontals someday, but right now we do, we go open top and then we rack to the closed top fermenters, finish fermentation. Hmm. Uh, We finish fermentation, cap it, dry, uh, drop the temperature, and then once we hit 42, we dry hop it for a couple days, dump the cone, and then get it down to 32, lager it for another couple weeks, and then we're off to packaging it Okay. So, but uh, but we make it year round and uh, what do you think about always... this next to Pivo pills well gosh we were drinking this together earlier this year <laughs> when we were making Stevo <laughs> okay yeah and yeah. Uh, down at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at that's right at, <laughs> I, I forgot about Stevo well yeah. now Matt has made a whole series of that I just had Sivo, which he made <laughs> nice. with Humboldt uh, okay. Seed the other day that's cool oh, um, and uh, yeah that, that Humboldt Seed Sivo was pretty damn tasty. Yeah, I yeah. heard Matt talking about some other collaboration he did with someone. It was some other play on that. So he's making a career out of uh, <laughs> yeah, collaborations. Out of collaborations with, uh, with what else Pivo. does he have I'm to a do. I'm a huge uh, Pivo fan. It was one of the influences. Yeah, on this, you know, as we as we hone in this beer and and Velvet, we're looking to Germany a lot mm-hmm. for those intricacies that the germans use yeah so.
2: well and hellas yeah. is getting a little a little bit of buzz we've had more hellas on tap here in the last you know year or so than ever yeah. because craft brewers are kind of getting into that style yeah. which makes me so happy yeah i mean back in oh five when i started to Brewing that work i had <clears throat> just come back from germany and had my first hellas ever mm-hmm. and i it just kind of changed my life really and i remember going like I wonder why craft brewers aren't into this. It has a cool name. <laughs> like, it seems very marketable. Um, but I also think craft brewers weren't making great lagers back then. But anyhow, it's taken all this time and now I'm yeah. seeing it get made. Yours, uh, Wondrous, we just had yeah. one on here that was delicious. Um, and I guess lagers in general yeah. are having their little moment right now.
0: But they're, you know, they're still, it's not, they always keep saying the year of the lager. But no. that hasn't come yet. It's yeah. like, oh, I want it to. But, <laughs> yeah. But we, we, we
1: just all keep Working for it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just keep waiting for it. We
0: go, you know, like the water part is really hard for a you know Pilsner Hellas. If if you're doing it the right, right, right. way, I mean, mm-hmm. we do full reverse osmosis and then build the water back up. And okay, um, so trying to be as true to that style. Yeah, it's it's funny with STS. I'm more like, yeah, let's let's kind of make it a Pilsner, but put a Russian River signature. The Hellas with uh, with velvet glow, I really want it to be German classic yeah. style and yeah, and uh, yeah. So we're and, is, really and on... that
2: must be Augustiner yeast too,
0: I'm guessing. That's Augustiner, yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, that that's one, my favorite Hellas. One, yeah. one lager yeast and um, yeah, and this this next batch, we just keep making small tweaks too. and it's and in it, our sales team is is liking having it available more and more, and they're asked. We just had our we jokingly call it our national sales meeting when all like six of our sales team. Go yeah. up to the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all like more, more velvet. More velvet. Yeah. So. <laughs> right.
1: That's so well, awesome. Did did you always use Augustiner or did you kind of try some other ones? Because we've always used Vine on and we never used mm. a different one and we love that one so much it's kinda hard to change. We just stuck that. We've
0: never yeah, we've always used Augustiner. hmm Um this pilot batch this r&d pilsner i made last week was the first time i've ever used 3470 oh wow yeah the the vine stuff yeah lager yeast so and it's beautiful um i love i walked into the pilot brewery this morning and i had just this kiss of sulfur in the air it was oh, beautiful cool, cool, nice cool. nice yeah.
1: now that's great i i have a pilot system i never use i was, I was actually someone is bugging me to sell it to them and i'm like
0: yeah, you're I'm like, never yeah. going to
1: use this. But then you're talking I, about this. I'm like, I, maybe I
0: should. I don't know that we should call ours a... I mean, it is our pilot brewery, but it's, yeah. it's a five-barrel system. Oh, it's, it's tiny, It's a, yeah. a full-on, like... <laughs> Brewery well, it, Technically you have yeah. two
2: Because then you have The more beer pilot system Also Yeah that's our Home
0: brew system Yeah, yeah. And then we <laughs> We still have that Yeah And then we've got The five barrel That
2: I brew on regularly Is the more beer system Still sitting on its own pad In the new brewery Like in that hallway Uh huh yeah. Which I just find yeah, hilarious. right below the open top. It's in this massive new yeah. brewery, and then there's this little homebrew system. It's yeah. the coolest thing. <laughs> I took pictures just to send to Chris Graham when I saw it. Um, well, yep. uh, we I've got to get us to a break here shortly because I've got at least one more topic I want us to get to before we have to go. And I thought, like, we can just talk about Pliny briefly because I think it'll lead us into the next topic. And so what I wanted to ask you about Pliny, and, and, you know, Pliny has been discussed extensively, right? But how many different varieties of hops are in Pliny now? Probably eight. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's what I remember yeah. uh, from uh, so perfect so when we come back to the break I think we're gonna talk more about hops because yeah. w- I mentioned to you when we were discussing this show that uh, with the beers I see come through the hop grenade all the time I see far less varieties yeah. used in a single beer um, but far more hops obviously and I think that by the way I also think West Coast IPA is I, a resurgence isn't the right word but I think maybe hazies are gonna stop being so popular and people are remembering West Coast IPAs. Um, so I wanted to talk about that because I want to talk about how brewers are using hops now compared to Pliny.
0: Yeah, I get which mad when people say like, oh yeah, West Coast, West Coast IPAs are making a comeback. I'm like, they didn't go anywhere. They, at they didn't really. go anywhere, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> nope. I don't think they went anywhere, anywhere,
2: but the discussion now seems to be turning like, well, all the Hayes bros are maybe starting to realize that West Coast IPAs are just as good or better. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I wanted to talk about that because- good. It's still probably the most popular double IPA on earth, yet it bucks the trend of, oh, you only need, like, mosaic and something else, and you're done. It's pretty bitter, too. Yeah. And (laughs) it is. No auto-tune here. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we'll take a real quick break, and when we come back more with Vinny, we're going to talk hops, we're going to talk hop creep, and maybe a little bit about new hop technologies, too. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for hanging out with us still. We are getting through some tasty beers with Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River. And we are talking hops. We don't have a ton of time left, which I, I kind of like now because it just means you get to come back in my, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah,
0: we're going to we'll come back sooner than Yeah, well, no, we, we, should th- a, we should do it. I was thinking about this driving down. We should do a Younger. Oh, something or other. Oh, I don't yeah. know what. If you're not that busy already, so, well, to... because we're now we're doing our in-person younger event at the pubs. Oh, right. At a later date, we made that permanent. That was a oh, a so COVID you're, you're splitting ah, the Windsor nice. and the pub event. Uh, yeah, so the the in-person events at our two breweries uh-huh. will happen at the end of March into April. Nice. But for all of our accounts, like the Hop Grenade, Toronado, it, they will it. still get their beer. In uh, in, February, in February, middle of February. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. And so, oh, that's great. So, like last year, or earlier this year, Natalie and I were able to get out and go to a few of our accounts. And this year, we're going to make a, a really big effort to go to a bunch more. Oh, that'd and be so great! We'll be, so it's a lot easier for us to get out. And you know, what? it is so much easier on tank space in the brewery. I bet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause, Why cause didn't we have, do this? We have half as much tanks tied up for Younger and younger is like a six week beer right that's yeah. such
1: a so, win-win I mean it's a yeah. it's a win for retailers it's yeah. a win for the brewery yeah. you can sleep a yeah. little consumers bit can
0: technically get it twice if they want sure yeah. so yeah. anyways so. okay that's a good idea Yeah.
2: so then we can do but, more hop stuff uh, yeah. but I want to I, I want to talk a little bit yeah. about it yeah. um and let me start maybe by asking you this. So just before the break, you mentioned, all right, like eight different hops yeah. in Pliny. And and as I've said, you know, one of the most popular double IPAs, if not the most, you know, on earth. But these new kids, Vinny, they're making all their beers with two, maybe maybe three hops. Do you make any IPAs like that now?
0: We do. Yeah. Uh, Mosaic Stack and Citra. Okay. F- Flash Mob IPA. Flash Mob, okay. Yeah, Citra Flash Mob, just because 100% Citra. Tastes like cappy, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 those that can do 100% citra, um, but I take my hat off to you because it's a really hard hop to do 100% mm-hmm. with, um, and uh, and I can't remember. There's I think there's a little amarillo in citra flash, um, and one other hop that I'm spacing on, but um, yeah, and then mosaic stack is like 90% mosaic and 10% simcoe. Okay, but there. It's legally allowed because most people don't know this, but S- mosaic is simcoe's daughter, oh, so without Simcoe mosaic doesn't exist, no kidding, yeah, yeah. And when I've said this recently, I know
2: Brewers yeah. who refuse to even make a beer without mosaic, in oh yeah, even a yeah. dash yeah. and like, like...
0: I, but like they don't and they most of them don't even know it's just like citra mm-hmm. like if you look at the pedigree of Citra, it's twenty percent brewers gold, it's got Hallertau middlefrew in it, wow, um it's got one other like. German or English, I can't remember the exact makeup of it. You know, where's Tom Nielsen when you need him? From, yeah, <laughs> to Tom from Sierra. But like, um, but yeah, it's like it, it's huge amounts of none of the hops that went in to make Citra bread, Citra. Yeah, were like big. You know, Brewer's Gold was the most out there hop, and and that's probably where the the you know, whatever makes yeah it what it is, and along with the male, but anyway, so those those hops, do, okay. th- those beers do, but I but for blind pig and Pliny, yeah, there's still like six to eight varieties, and the reason for that's kind of a throwback to uh, to Budweiser. Budweiser was always a lot of of varieties, really, and that was so that if one variety ever uh, you know had a bad year, it wasn't so hard to replace it right. And so I've always kind of lived that way through Pliny and Blind Pig and and I know that's not the norm these days you rarely see bad years but it could happen with smoke taint Mm. Mm, you know we just we just uh, we just came across some hops that we've been using and little by little they became a little smoky and as the High hop notes dropped out. The smoke just became more intense. Interesting, and and so smoke is something to really um, is the one kind of great equalizer right now that could affect your. And these were mosaics. I went oh, to wow.
2: a brewery yesterday and, that I that I won't name, and I know the bartender well. And I was going to order their, this West Coast IPA of theirs, and he steered me away from it. And he said, I, "There's just there's a weird like smokiness mm-hmm. happening."
0: That's smoke. And I thought I was like, "Well, how could?" In my head, I'm yeah. like, "How could
2: that even happen?" Yeah.
0: Because the 2020 and 2021 harvest. Ah. Yeah, and I am so sensitive to it. Yeah, I wonder. I I've always say I'm price sensitive to it because bad bertanomyces Sm- smells oh, like yeah. smoke and phenolic okay. it can be ashtray it can be liquid smoke um it can be plasticky but right. those are all and and it and a lot of times i was talking to the um sensory manager at haas at the brewing summit a few months ago and like they're they're getting calls left and right uh ych identified like 80 lots of hops in the twenty. 20 harvest I think it was Mm. that were smoke tainted it's it's prevalent now and you know, and New Belgium has done a ton of work. Hats off to them. Yeah, yeah, for what they've done. But wow. um, but it's not surprising that that you're that you got smoke and it's it's not. And and think of that. It's probably a brewery that does. If it's a small brewery, they don't get to do. Um, yep, small brewery. Uh, don't get to do selection. But we did. We get to do selection. Yeah, and we still see smoke taint every once in a while. Okay. So, oh, wow. um, okay. But so that's so. Thankfully, for the most part, the twenty. Twenty-two crop year that we just you know just came off the vine is pretty much clean. Okay. There was a little bit of smoke up there, but it wasn't. The AQI wasn't in like the four or five hundreds. It was okay. down in like the one hundred and fifty. Yeah, which is manageable. Okay, so
2: well, that's good info. But um, all right, so. And since we're short on time, I know that everybody would be interested in at least brewers, I should say, in some of the research you've been doing on on hop creep mm. recently. Uh, I had a whole list yeah. of like hop questions for you. That's going to that be the, gonna come uh, back. that's
0: going to be the younger uh, but, episode. Uh, yeah, that list. My, <laughs> I'll save my list.
2: But you said something interesting to me uh, when we were talking about this show that you've been researching much with hop creep, which everybody is worried about and trying to figure out, and yeah. it's just such a mystery. You you said something you found something about hop seeds affecting yeah. it
0: yeah through the so we're we're a founding member of the hop quality group okay there's this group of now is like 60 or so brewers that it's an ad hoc group of brewers trying to kind of be a conduit between the hop growers and the beer industry and everything we do is for the industry even though it's a you know a membership organization mm-hmm. so it means the whole craft beer industry benefits from it, whether you're a member or not. Yeah. And and so on uh, one of our calls a few years ago, monthly calls, <clears throat> Val Peacock, the former hop, you know, director of hops at Anheuser-Busch, mm-hmm. mentioned like, hey, you guys, talking about hop creep, you need to look at the seeds. And I said, interesting. He goes, I bet you're going to find the enzymes are in there as well. Oh. So... You know, members of the hop quality group that use whole cone hops, there's not many of us. Deschutes, Sierra, yeah. us. And so... You're <clears throat> not all whole, whole cone. No, I mean, no. Yeah, we, yeah. we still use but, a ton of pellets and yeah. extract. Okay.
2: So, yeah, you don't... Although, even in the pellets, it would be ground up seeds, wouldn't there? That be. makes it worse.
0: Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, okay. oh, if, you're a, yeah. if you're dry hopping with whole cones, you actually um, have less hop creep. And that was a mm. part of our study. So we did a, an initial study of just 2020. Then we did 2020, 2021 combined, same farms, in most cases, same fields, and then compared them. That, that work we're compiling right now. We got a little bit behind last year with COVID and all, but, um, but we should have that fully compiled soon. But in short, we did you know just the whole cone. We then took the seeds out. Mm-hmm. and then dry hopped with whole seeds. We dry hopped with the crushed seeds. Oh. We dry hopped with the brack, the green material with the seeds removed, and all these different combinations. Yeah. And, and pretty much determined that the more seeds you have and, and the more they're crushed, the more hop creep you have. It's not the, like, the, the end-all to hop creep. Okay. Because most hops have few... Seeds. Okay. Oregon tends to have more seeds than Washington, unfortunately. Interesting. But, um, but in short, those crushed seeds. And if you think about whole cone hops, if they have seeds in them, and then they go through a hammer mill, mm. and then they get pelleted, yeah, they're going to cause more hop creep. Because if you dry hop, if you took, you know, the equivalent of two pounds per barrel in seeds mm-hmm. and dry hop with the whole seeds, and then the crushed seeds, the whole seed will have almost no hop creep. Wow. The crush seed will give you like 60% of your hop creep. But then like we did Amarillo and Simcoe cuz Simcoe's our number one variety, Amarillo too. Okay. And they're not proportionate exactly in in how they have the fermentability um, run through a a fermentation so there's other things at play so it's
2: not so much that every brewer should switch to dry hopping with flowers no but it's you it's It's more just being aware to think about it yeah Yeah. and if
0: you're you know it's it's another reason why hop selection is a good practice yeah
1: yeah but like when you're selecting hops are, are you investigating to visually see the seeds to avoid them? Yeah. I mean, how, how now can we you do are. That? Yeah, you didn't yeah. before,
2: but now
0: you
1: are. Okay, that makes sense. So
0: Natalie and I sit at the... We, we jokingly say the hop selection at Russian River is a... <clears throat> it's a, a dictatorship, not a democracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just Natalie and I right now doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Natalie can just as well as I look through a hop cut... Brewers cut and find seeds. We sit there at the at the selection table and start picking seeds out, right. and I have a pile of seeds. And that now drives helps. It's it's not the end all of how we make a selection, but it helps influence. If us all how things we were equal, you'd use that as a determinant. Exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> seeds are a big deal, huh. and and what what makes it worse is that California ale yeast just for whatever reason drives more hop creep than say London interesting three for oh, really? a hazy and and we're a California Ale yeast brewer Yeah. Um, a while ago I tried uh, using the uh, German ale yeast um, whatever the equivalent whatever that number is for for White, white labs. labs yeah, yeah. and um, it might even be called not even mayn't even be called German ale um, but I know a lot of brewers making beautiful um, IPAs with this German ale yeast I brewed Blind Pig on our pilot brewery like six times, and I made a beautiful beer, but it did not taste like Blind Pig. pig. It's also a really fluffy yeast, and it doesn't settle, so it would be really hard to manage in our our situation because we're not. Set up for that, right? Yeah, right. But um, but so yeast has a big part of it. Okay, is a big part of it too. But more more on hop creep on that hop. Uh. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> oh man!
2: But and uh, I, I guess I do have one final question about that as it regards to Pliny too, because one thing I asked you and other brewers is like, why are we all of a sudden talking about hop creep? It's been hoppy beers forever, and the answer basically that I get most is, well, it's because we're putting more hops in the dry hop than ever.
0: That's the main reason. Okay.
2: Well, but Pliny. Has been around, yeah so, so did you
0: know about hop creep for years before everybody else, or when when Jason Perkins discovered it, Jason from Alleghe Yeah, yeah, he called us first, okay, and we were just about to start building Windsor uh-huh. or design it, and I said, yeah, we have that happen. Uh-huh. I couldn't explain it. right okay, but didn't know why. okay. Yeah, just curious about that. Uh,
2: to me, it's so funny because there's so many like advances in brewing. and like I feel like kind of at a rapid clip right now with yeah. new hop varieties, which we'll talk about on your next visit mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, and then y'all get thrown this curveball, like this problem that just
0: seemed to came, come out of nowhere. And, and every once in a while, we'd have batches at Blind Pig in the mid-'90s with that went diacetyl. Oh, and we yeah. would oh, send man. them off yeah. and, and get it tested, and yeah. it wasn't pediococcus. And we didn't know what it was. Now I know it was hop creep. Because yeah. we were, but it's funny, back then we were, at most, we were dry hopping on our regular IPA at a pound per barrel, oh, wow. which now is pedestrian. Yeah. yeah. You know, that was our, the original that's, that's blind beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, and then, <clears throat> um pale ale dry and then, hop the, now. <laughs> and then the double IPA back then, the anniversary beers were two pounds. But we did get uh, diacetyl every once in a while. So in hindsight, it probably was. But also we've lowered the kiln temperature. Okay, um, And then also something that often gets overlooked is we've, as an industry, we've lowered the pelotine temperature. Hmm. Okay. Mm. And, yeah. and there there's actually a lot more stuff. But to, since it's enzymatic uh, behavior, yeah. those things really matter. Yeah. Okay. But there's a great ASBC article that uh, Dr. Shellhammer from OSU is a part of, and they look at um, fungicides, and the more, in short, the more fungicides that have been applied to... A field, the less hop creep they tended to see from that field. I so see. there could be some fungal uh, stability um, that starts all the way in the field. Because I, I asked Jason Peralt of Peralt Farms, mm-hmm. you know, I like Jason. Hop breeding company. Yeah, I call him the Michael Jordan of yeah, yeah. hop breeders. because yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything he touches. <laughs> it's like, a slam dunk. <laughs> he's like, mosaic, simicoat. Yeah. 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 He didn't, he didn't technically breed citra, but yeah, he, he's a part of that. Uh-huh. Anyways, you know, he was like, well, can we just go back and like try to grow Simcoe the way it was in 1999 when I first got it? And see? And, and it was like, no, because like we're using totally different, you know, ways to, to manage pests and this All and right. that. And things just aren't even available. It's like it'd be impossible. Yeah. So
2: I, I think you'd have to do it on your own small plot of land, and, and you might even yeah. not be able
0: to do that because yeah. maybe you couldn't even get the same fertilizer. Right. And, okay. So yeah. I, I yeah. think we're talking about just like a perfect storm, but I do think at the end of the day we're just adding more and more hops. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. at some point we just hit this tipping point because we've we've increased our hops. You know, sure. Teresa and I were talking off air between the last break about like, well, we've 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 always changed, we've made small tweaks to Pliny and Blind Pig over the years. Yeah. And and I think it's what has kept the beer relevant. Sure. No, I think that's that's extremely yeah. important. So um well I beer is so
2: has always been so fascinating to me. It's why I can do this show for this many years, because I always like to say this, especially the new people new homebrewers. It just can be as simple as you want it to be. Yeah. Or as so amazingly complex that after centuries, we still don't understand some of the chemical uh, uh, and biological behavior that happens yeah. in fermentation. Yeah. It's really wild. Uh, it's a never-ending learning
0: curve. One of my favorite things to do is to go into the open-top fermenter rooms, and Natalie would agree if she was in the chair mm-hmm. next to me today, and it, our rooms they are they're quiet. You just go in there and you stare at the fermentation. Yeah. You watch it bubble. It's alive. Right. You listen to it. That was a Fred Eckhart thing. Yeah. Listen yeah. <laughs> listen to your beer. Most of the young brewers today don't even know who Fred Eckhart is, but <laughs> yeah. he's a genius. Yeah. Um but yeah, just you go in there and it's it's so zen. Right. And it's magical. It is magical. And and you just like just in there for 5 minutes like yeah. a stressful day i love going into the open top yeah. fermenter rooms and and just watch it and listen to it and and every yeast is a little bit different the saison yeast is different than our the abbey ale yeast mm-hmm. and it's different from the california ale yeast it's different from our lager yeast right and they all look a little bit different it's, it's pretty funny. it's pretty cool or just but even at the same time like you go look at your bucket you know that the co2 and you're thinking about it, it's like that yeast that's in there is eating the sugars. Yep, it's turning into alcohol, and it's just spitting out CO two. And it's like it's yep. amazing that it's doing that. It really is. Well, like, I don't think we stop and think about that enough. We don't enough. And as and
2: the monks did, like you know, it's I feel like there, there's a reason that beer and fermentation was like part of the monastic lifestyle, yeah. and it wasn't just so they can catch a buzz when they're fasting. Yeah. I would bet they'd explain it to us as like as close to a a religious experience as Mm -hmm. you could have here on Earth. And some of
0: those Trappist beers, yeah, yeah. because we were Natalie and I were just there. We traveled with Garrett Oliver in Belgium for Uh, a week before we got COVID. But like, yeah, it was so great to be back there drinking some of those Trappist Mm -hmm. beers. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them from the source. Mm. It's like, ah, these are these are such beautiful beers and beautiful glassware
1: just and and developed over such a long period of time and like they developed that beer because that was the best possible beer that could be brewed mm-hmm. in with the water that they had and the equipment that they had and like i just i wish us american brewers could spend the time to figure that shit out because yeah, yeah. like you know, we're trying to do a million things. We're not trying to do the one thing that is the best thing for where we are and yeah. like space and time. Right. right. I mean, yeah. if you
0: think about most of the Trappist <clears throat> monasteries, I mean, they all make like one to three beers.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, or all <laughs> or all mostly. You make imagine Val- only yes, making make, one to three beers? They do make a
0: beer for their cafe. You know, Roseberg yeah. just made their fourth beer. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in centuries. West yeah. Westmala makes. <laughs> Three beers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that is great because you, so you hone in. Like, I know the thing, and I'm so grateful that we have a Pliny and we have a Blind Pig. Yeah. You know, because so many breweries now, and this is no knock on the one off brewery that just makes a new beer, but you never get a chance to perfect that, that beer with the one off. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I look, I love the challenge that. To how do we keep making Pliny better and better? How do yeah. we make Pliny Pig better and better and tweak it? And maybe that's a slight tweak to the hop bill. Yes, Pliny is always going to be mostly Simcoe and then Amarillo behind it mm-hmm. with supporting of all these other hops. But you know what's what's coming through the breeding companies or the breeding programs that can can even make it better, give us that little lift to make, yeah, you know, the hops. The Simcoe and the Amarillo pop a little bit more.
2: You you guys are lucky that way. Sierra Nevada is lucky that way, where you have you're able to have these flagship beers that yeah. hold up the brewery, so you get to keep perfecting. Yeah. Whereas some of the new ones, and they chose to do the one off route. Um, yeah, they're kind of restrained by that. I've had
0: calls from owners from some really well known Bay Area. Breweries that are like, oh man, we wish we, but you're like we're going to work towards that because yeah. this is exhausting.
2: Yeah, of well, course. And it's,
1: there's there's lucky and there's fortunate because you're making an intentional decision uh, to run your business that way and have core beers and like, yeah, yeah. continually perfect those. I I I think it's really important for it everyone to at least have a couple. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least have a couple that you go back to all the yeah. time to try to work on.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is about all the time we have. We have a tap room full of folks waiting for their guided tasting here, which is exciting for me, and I, I get to have fun uh, talking more beer with you. Um, this so is right on an
0: hour and a half.
2: Look at that. How much? I mean, we would have in old days. Oh man, this would have just been like halftime. Well, exactly. <laughs> it, especially because like I and I think I can speak for you. We enjoy it so much. Like when well, we get to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Like I have endless questions for you. So, yeah. uh, but now we just turned it into more episodes. So it's, uh, I can even come to you next time. We'll fun. figure it out. Yeah. Um, so, thanks for being here, Vinny. It um, was great to come down. Uh, please give my vest to Natalie. I, I know will. she was watching today. She, she yep. meant to be here but yep. couldn't. She was and, a little, um, little
0: under the weather, but. Um, yeah. I got it's to see good. her
2: for a minute at, at GABF, yep. and that was, that was fun. Good. Um, so, was uh, But that's all right. She'll, she'll just. Another reason for you all to come back. Yes, for sure. Um, we'll do that. Yeah. And, um, okay. So, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing all the beer. Um, and then we're going to get to our tasting. Thanks for the beatification. which I didn't even have it yet. I've been waiting for your tasting to to do it. Um, All right. Hey, thanks to our sponsors out there. Of course, more beer. 21st Amendment. Go check them out. 21st-amendment.com. Just wonderful people that support this program. Uh, Blickman Engineering. Williams Brewing. um, So many wonderful sponsors that are keeping this thing going all of these years, and we thank them. And I thank you, too, for listening. Uh, We've got more shows coming up soon. Uh, Altamont Beer Works. Will be on the program soon. One of my, um, one of my new favorites. I got to really love their beer throughout the pandemic. When I was doing good
0: stuff, they do
2: really yeah. good with. I mean, they have a control over their hop character, like many brewers don't. Uh, so I'm excited to talk with them about that. we got them coming up and more here on the session. Teresa, thanks for being here, as always.
1: Oh, my, my pleasure. Teresa, good this to land. see you. Yeah. Really good to see you, too. Don't forget to go to Crooked
2: Lane when you're in Auburn or check it out wherever you are. Uh, Crooked Lane beers are wonderful also. In fact, uh, Teresa just kindly brewed a tribute beer for a friend of ours who's turning 50. I'm yeah. excited to go try Solid Gold Wood next weekend yes. at, at Crooked Lane.
1: Definitely not a penis reference no it's
2: not at all it's a karaoke res- reference it's actually it's a karaoke yeah. yeah so uh, I will be at Cricket Lane next weekend hanging out with my friends there so uh, thanks Teresa for all that you do uh, alright everybody take care of yourselves and your beer we'll see you next time session is a production of the brewing network and brought to you by more beer check them out at morebeer.com find more content and live video of this show on our youtube channel at youtube.com slash brewing network for sponsorship opportunities and information please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com to reach our hosts contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com